the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning. Welcome. Three minutes after 8 o'clock. In for Jimmy. I'm John Caldera. Give me a call. 303-696-1971. So... All right, we can continue talking about fur. I just found that fascinating. I didn't know I didn't know people hated fur that much. I don't get it. It is a renewable resource. But for many animal rights activists, uh, was it Hannibal Lecter who made who made a suit out of out of human skin or something like that. You know, we're not harvesting humans here. But for those who think meat is murder, um, then, yeah, I, I, I guess so. I guess so. Go figure that. I, I still just don't understand it. And the leather coat is still cool. How is it that leather, I guess because we raise so many cattle that leather is cheaper, wouldn't it be great? We ought to, we ought to do something with, like, stray dogs. That would really anger them. Just, just go with me on this one for a second. So... We euthanize stray dogs or rabid dogs, and then we make coats out of them. Uh, just, just go with me. Roll with it. Roll with it. And then you do something really wonderful with the money. You give it, you give it to the Dumb Friends League, the animal shelter. You do something that, that animal rights activists really love. Just, just try it on for size. Just see, see how it works. What would they do? Well, you had to kill the dog anyway. So now we're just, we're just using the fur to raise money for the dogs. Oh, the animal rights activist people, their brains would explode. It all makes such perfect sense, but it's so distasteful. But it makes perfect sense, but it's so distasteful. But it helps animals, but it's so distasteful. Oh, that'd be perfect. That would be perfect. In the same way, one of my great Caldera brainstorms, you know, we run a think tank and everything. At the zoo, when an exotic animal dies, you sell the meat. I mean, how many people get to eat a tiger? You cannot, you cannot eat tiger meat. So I'm giving this one free to the zoo. Because my ideas are gold, I tell you. Gold, Jerry, gold. The tiger dies at the Denver Zoo. 
You sell the meat, you sell the fur. And the money goes to the zoo. And you could have a tiger steak that night. You could have an elephant steak. Do they sell the tusks when the elephant dies? They should. If they don't, these are fundraisers. I mean, our tax money goes to the zoo. This helps save taxpayer dollars. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, I tell you. It's gold, Jerry, gold. All right, so I mentioned it with the last caller. As a kid, go on these the road trips, and you go into the little ticky-tacky souvenir shops. Estes Park seemed to be famed for it when I was a kid. And every tourist spot sold the same crap. It was like a little wooden box, and it would say, you know, Rocky Mountain National Forest or Estes Park on it. And then you go to Durango, and it was the same box, except it said Durango on it. The exact same cheap stuff, carnival fare crap, that they would sell in, in the tourist traps. And there was always a rabbit's foot. And the rabbit's feet were not were not natural colored. They were always dyed some god-awful deep red, purple, blue something. And it was a keychain. Do you remember this? Am I... Am I just hallucinating. And you put your keys on it, and there was a rabbit's foot. Why a rabbit's foot? Because a rabbit's foot was good luck. Unlike a monkey's paw. Monkey's paw, bad luck. If you remember the Twilight Zone episode, rabbit's foot, good luck. Um... Something you ought to, something you ought to think about. Just now, if we could hack off something else, if a rabbit's foot is no longer politically correct, is there some other part of the anatomy of animals we could use for a good luck charm? Dog snouts. Yeah, Fluffy passed away, but here's her nose. I keep it on my keychain. Just thinking out loud. Just. Thinking out loud. (laughs) 303-696-1971. And am I hallucinating? Or was there... There were Mexican jumping beans. They were always called Mexican jumping beans. And then later they were probably just called jumping beans. And they were beans. They were dried beans. And they were in this little plastic box... The little plastic box was always making noise. Right? All right, let's go to the phones. 303-696-1971. We'll switch topics here, I know. Jacqueline, out in Nebraska, welcome. You're with John Caldera. So glad to have you. Good morning, John. I always love it when you're on. You know, in my closet, I have a full-length mink coat and a silver fox. And you know, the mink coat belonged to my mother, that was one of her most cherished items. My dad gave it to her on their 20th anniversary, and she never asked for it. My dad just knew that when they did well and they did did good and prosper, give your wife a fur coat. 
she they used to get dressed to the nines and go to these great big banquets and balls at the Elks. My uncles, my aunts, my Elks. dad, my older How sister, cool is that at the, the Elks I'm Club? Telling you, they had they put on they put on the the nines and these women wore their furs their jewelry men wore suits and some wore uh, cummerbunds I mean it was a, a beautiful banquet I remember mother getting dressed to do that but you know I, I'm almost afraid to wear these because I, my daughter warned me she said mom she said I don't want them she said if I take them someone will either mark them up throw paint on them or they'll be destroyed so they're in my closet here, and I cherish them dearly. I wear them once in a while, maybe just out a tiny bit, maybe here or there. I don't wear them to Walmart. I don't wear them anywhere like that because I'm afraid right. someone will. But what a shame! All right, them. let's let's dive into that one for a second because that that's worth talking about. How many things do we not do today that we want to do today because we're f- afraid of? one, being judged, and two, having people act inappropriately on that judgment. So people see you walking around with your fur, and what are you afraid they might do? I'm afraid they'll damage it, and if they do, that is going to make me very, very angry. And I, I'm i an old woman now, John. I don't want to duke it out with somebody over a fur coat, but I'll tell you, my mother you know, would have mother wart, uh, and she didn't worry about anyone doing it, but we live in a damn different time. Do you know how in China and these Oriental uh, countries, they raise dog and cats in kennels in their backyard for food. Now, these young people and these activists, PETA and the rest of them, they don't worry about that. They don't worry about those people doing that, or do they even know? Uh, and they'll buy goods from China. They're buying goods from that Timu now like crazy comes from China. They'll buy Chinese products even though, and I think it's very, I can't find the right word. For okay, okay. I, I want to I change, change this conversation just a little bit. You're focusing on, on, um, on other people. Let's focus on you for a second. You won't wear your fur because you're understandably concerned that this thing you love could get damaged by by bad people. It could be damaged by an act of somebody saying, well, you right. know, I don't like you wearing furs. Or but th- let's think yeah. about that for just a second. Your mother gave you this fur. It is a beautiful fur. You love this fur. It is who you are. And you are afraid to be who you are in public because because of this nebulous, understandable fear that other people won't tolerate you. Now, let me just draw a contrast and go with me here for a second. There was a time people had lifestyles that they could not proudly wear. They were gay, let's say. Um, they, they had an alternative lifestyle, and they had to keep it in the figurative closet. You keep yours in a literal closet because they were afraid of what other people in society might do to them because of their lifestyle. And it was just absolutely awful and cruel. Today, we have these people who say, no, I am not the gender that I think that I was born with. I'm something else. And they, they cross-dress an old term, and nobody would think about hurting them. 
in fact, it's very protected, as well as it should be, even though I'm not going to get into that issue right now. The point being that here you are with your lifestyle, and these same types of folks are making you keep your lifestyle in the literal closet. And that's what's so upsetting to me. That is what's so very wrong about this. And I urge you to wear that coat proudly, because if you don't, your daughter certainly won't, and her daughter certainly won't, and her daughter certainly won't. And so it'll just be, it'll be kept in the closet as a curio of a time gone past, instead of enjoying it in the short life that we have. And it is wrong. It is so very wrong for us to bow down to that type of societal pressure. Screw them. Well, wear your coat. You know, you're right, and you're absolutely right about it, and I should wear it. And I think I'm going to start wearing it. It's a lot different here in Nebraska than it is in Colorado or the Denver area. I'd be afraid to wear it to walk around in Denver, but it is part of who I am. You're right about that. It's part of my life, my, my legacy. It's part of my mother, who I love dearly. And it's a it's a beautiful piece of of, of of clothing. I mean, both of them are beautiful pieces of clothing. And I just um, I don't want to see them damaged. But you're right about that. And I well, have let me ask the, you one, let me ask you a follow up question. Uh, and the uh, what would Jesus do type thing? What would your mother want you to do? Oh, my mother would want me to wear it and wear it proudly. And if anybody touched it, she'd have had a well, even, I, that's another show. <laughs> right, but even if it got destroyed, and I'm, it's insured, I hope it's insured, if it did get destroyed, what would your mother say? Would your mother say, how dare you, Jacqueline, for wearing that out in public? Or would she say, good for you wearing it out in public, and that's more important to me, even though it got destroyed, than you being ashamed of it and keeping it in a closet to keep it safe for my memory. Well, you're right, because I never thought of it that way. I'm not ashamed of this, and I'm certainly and what, not ashamed of anything like that. You and know? Here's, all right, here's the last little bit of guilt I'm going to throw at you. What is it you want to model for your daughter? Because someday she'll have this beautiful coat. And yeah, it's not where it's right. I guess. And my point is, it's not about the fur. It's about us as Americans caving in to this weird societal pressure, this politically correct pressure. And it is just as wrong as the pressure we put on gays and lesbians to stay in the closet for who they are. And that was wrong, and this is equally as wrong. And guess what? You own fur, be proud of it, wear it. And if people are offended by it, just like some people used to be offended by different sexual lifestyles, to hell with them. You know, this is, this is America, and we need to reclaim our freedom. Yeah, you're right, John, absolutely. And that, you know, I'm so worried of, of losing it and having it damaged. That's why I don't. But, you know, Mother would want me to wear it, and she'd want me to deal with that head on because she was that kind of a woman. But that was her most pride and joy. Women right. wanted and I, I just think about it. Pearls. What, yeah. is, what is freedom if we don't exercise it? And yeah, you're absolutely you know, the, right. the cost of freedom is fear. The cost of freedom is doing things that make us uncomfortable. 
the 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 cost of freedom is is risk and yes i i think you ought to accept there's a very real possibility somebody might damage your your fur coat uh and if so that fur coat goes down in a way that would make your mom proud. And I, I, oh, I want to expand yeah. that to everything else we do in our lives where we're afraid to be gun owners. We're afraid to smoke cigars. We're afraid to support candidates we support. We keep everything in a closet because we're afraid of what they're going to do to us. And that's, You're that's, right. how, You're right. that's how North Korea works. And damn it, America shouldn't work that way. And it's going to take us. And by the way, I I feel exactly what you feel. This is something precious to you. Um, but but you have a story about how your mom loved you and gave you this coat. Share it with the world proudly. I will, John. Thank you so much this morning. Oh, my pleasure. What a fun story. Thanks for the call. Three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one. You know how many things are we supposed to be ashamed? of how many things do we stop doing because we have an understandable fear of that how many yard signs would you like to put out in your front yard if you weren't worried about some jerk neighbor throwing a brick through your window That's the point. That's the point. And wearing a fur coat is just one more example. Let's go to Littleton. 303-696-1971. Talk to us. Is that Amy? Amy, welcome. You're with John Caldera. Arnie. I'm sorry, Arnie. My, Arnie. I, my <laughs> eyesight is not what it used to be. The R in the end looked like an M. Or, hey, John, you, I wanted, I wanted to Or you might want to transition to Amy. Just, just a thought. <laughs> No, 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 no. Right. Um, back when I was a scout leader, I took um, four different expeditions of scouts, up to ten, and we went on a, a canoe trip up in Canada. And because uh, the uh, Boy Scouts of America have a canoe base up at a place called Atacokan, and another one in a farther north town called Basset up in Manitoba. Anyway, so we had a three or four day drive to go up there and come back. Wow. And what we would do is we would end up spending more time in the black Hills on the way back. And, and the whole point of this story is the place that got repeated over and over and over again, we stopped at this beat up little old shack. And I think it was in Custer, South Dakota. And, and it was full of, of, uh, collectible, bones and skulls of animals and everything like that you can think of skins and the the scouts spent more time in that place than any of the other curio places that we stopped along the way and they all came out with why why do you think that was (laughs) what 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 intrigued them i have no idea (laughs) i was intrigued by the place so it was I mean, a place it, that had it, old bones of weird animals. Not not weird animals, just a- any animal. Fox, uh, coyotes, skunks. They had furs in there of, of uh, beaver and, and rabbit, and they had skunk furs. 
they had a as a matter of fact they had a beautiful blanket of a uh, of a a wolf skin that was mounted on a with had a backing wool backing to it and they had it hanging up on the wall and I'm not telling you if if I had if I had had a credit card with enough uh dollars on it I would have bought the thing it was about 700 bucks and this was like 10 or 12 years ago wow. how fun but you know what it is is it's um it's a natural curiosity, and especially if they're scouts back in a day when scouts would, um, you know, trample in the woods. You know, that's that's the love of hunting and the love of the out- outdoors and a, and a genuine boy's curiosity of, wait a minute, so this is what <laughs> this is what a, an animal looks like without its clothes on. Well, I, <laughs> without being without being too graphic, one of the favorite things for him to buy in there was a um uh off of a uh I can't remember if it was a skunk or or a fox or whatever but it was the uh uh it was the I don't know how to characterize what they did with it but anyway it was the penis off of an animal Oh wow <laughs> Well of course I would interest them <laughs> If you were a little if you were a kid <laughs> Of course I would. Hey, thanks for the call. I said, what a what a I, said, I, I want to know what you're going to do with that thing when you get back home. Mom, mom, look what I bought. <laughs> I, I bought it for you for Christmas, mom. <laughs> Have a great one. Thanks for the call. 303-696-1971. I know we're late on time, but let's see if we can squeeze Ann in here. And good morning. You're with John Caldera. Hi, John. I'm laughing at the last caller. Um, I have <laughs> I have three full-length furs. I have a black diamond mink. I have a fur um, bank and fox and a sheared beaver. And I have three jackets. And <laughs> I wear them. I used to live in Boulder. I wore them in Boulder all the time because I used to sell new homes. And it's cold walking around yeah. new home sites. <laughs> but I will tell you. Someone throws paint on me. I'm 76 years old, but I can run really fast, and they're going to get pummeled. So, do you do you wear them with pride, or are you scared when you wear them? Oh no, I'm not scared at all. And do, not at all. Have you ever been hassled for wearing your fur? What, one time in Boulder in a King Supers, um, this woman said to me, "There's blood on your shoes." And uh, what did you say? And this guy heard her this older man, and he said, honey, don't worry about it. You look beautiful in that coat. Oh, nice. That was, the, that was the only time. That was it. Uh, good. I hope our, our Jacqueline, who's listening in, hears that, too. Mind you, I I had a similar experience in a Boulder King Supers because Boulderites <laughs> are so very, very tolerant and accepting. Uh, I was standing oh. in line to check out, and uh, somebody recognized my voice, and he turned around and looked at me and said, are you that Caldera guy? And I said, put out my hand. I said, oh, yeah, hi, I'm John Caldera. And he said, and I'm not allowed to say it on there, why don't you just effing leave? Leave, Boulder. And I, to which all I could answer was, what, and, and miss, all the, miss all the tolerance and acceptance Boulder has to offer? It's very well, odd. Well, I yeah. did. I did nothing in Boulder, and I live in Parker, and I love it down here. How many, I never um, go back to Boulder. 
How many compliments do you get on your coats when you wear them compared to people going, uh? Oh, hundreds. I have a jacket that is actually a bunny, and it's, um, but, you know. Are you sure that's not a Playgirl, Playboy outfit that you're talking about? (laughs) No. No, it's a really nice jacket, and I love it. It's got a hood on it. If I had a dollar for every compliment I got on that jacket, I could probably buy another house. (laughs) and i gotta run thanks for the call what a joy 303-696-1971 i'm john caldera keep it right here in for jimmy you're on 710 knus 33 minutes after i'm john caldera in for jimmy give me a call 303-696-1971 switching gears slightly or largely Jury orders Trump to pay E. Jean Carroll $83 million, $83 million for defamation. Verdict adds to the former president's financial obligations after earlier jury said he must pay a columnist $5 million. I'm reading from the Wall Street Journal. A federal jury ordered Donald Trump to pay more than $83 million bucks in damages for defaming a writer, handing the former president a financial and legal blow as he moves closer to cementing the Republican nomination for November's election. Hmm. The award by a Manhattan, Manhattan jury came after a trial with Carol accused Trump of shattering her reputation while he was president by denying her claims of sexual assault. The new award dwarfs the $5 million that a different federal jury awarded to Carroll last year after finding him liable for sexually assaulting her in the 1990s and then defaming her when he denied it in 2022. Jury of seven men, two women, reached its verdict After less than three hours, less than three hours, um, do they not get it? Do they not get it? And it by, I mean, the more they pile on to Trump, In these types of verdicts, these types of legal actions, the the more likely he's going to become president. Now, I cannot speak on whether or not he sexually assaulted her. I certainly think it's in the realm of possibility. Defaming her? Who hasn't Trump defamed? Who hasn't Trump spoken ill of? Who hasn't he tried to destroy verbally? Who hasn't he he said nasty things about? Now, here's the balance. You've got a guy who might be president, was president, very powerful, and when when he speaks, his followers listen. Is there damage there? Absolutely there's damage there. 
But just as a president is not above the law, a president is also an American and has free speech rights and has the ability to to say what he wants, even if it's ugly, as long as it's true. Do they not get that this is going to push him closer to the presidency? And I get it. Manhattan jury is like, ah, now we'll get even. 303-696-1971. Does this help him? Does it hurt him? I think it helps him. But here's the big problem. If polling is accurate, I'll repeat that because that's a big if. If polling is accurate, if he is convicted of a crime, polling shows he loses about 30% of his support. And he won't become president. I think it is possible, if not likely, that sometime before the general election, he will be convicted of taking classified documents. Not about his silliness on January 6th. Not about insurrection. But by breaking the law and keeping classified documents. That's my suspicion. Let's go to the phones. 303-696-1971. Let's talk to Jack. Jack, good morning. You're with John Caldera. John, I think this is the best show you've ever put on the air. Why is that? Well, because you're reaching out into areas that are social engineering aspects that nobody else is, everybody else is oblivious to, and you've picked up on it. And I, I can't believe how much that's elevated my opinion of you, which has never always been all that high. Okay. <laughs> then but you must have met scene, me. Anybody this, who knows me doesn't have a high opinion. Okay, but but that's I'm entitled to that. But this Gene Carroll thing, there's a huge foundational problem with this thing about damages for her, for. Her, for Donald Trump's, uh, uh, you know, statements about this Gene Carroll, what's missing in the foundation, which should tumble the whole, the whole thing should crumble under it, is she has never been able to, 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 to illustrate when a timeline. She can't say when it was, what day it was, what year it was, what month it was. And what that does is that eliminates the ability for Donald Trump to go through his records. And maybe he was in Mar-a-Lago at the time, not New York. I mean, you can't you can't go forward on something that's that flimsy. The only reason they're going forward with it is because all these jackasses on these benches are all Democrats and they're all anti-Trump. I mean, I, well, God, this I was, was a jury. Let's remember, this was a jury. Well, the jury awarded. is a, okay. The jury finds fact, but if you're going to have if you're going to have evidence and the rules of evidence would be she would state when it happened, which would give him an opportunity to prove that he wasn't even in the state of New York at the time. Absent of that, they don't have a case. The foundation crumbles on that. I God, I wish I was. I wish I was Donald Trump's attorney. I really do. All well, right. I'm sure he wishes it too. Here's the thing: I have no doubt that Trump defamed her. I mean, because he defames everyone. Is it his right? Yeah. Is does he break um, orders um, uh, not to talk about things all the time? But an 83 million dollar defamation award for uh, for a eight for a five million dollar claim is wildly out of proportion 
And if John, it wasn't Donald Trump, Trump it, it wouldn't have happened. And it's, and even it was interesting. I was I was at a poker game last night, and I'm the token token conservative because it's in Boulder. And even even the guys around the table were like, "Yeah, that's just ridiculous." And these guys John, despise Trump, despise him. And it's as if these juries don't realize they're just adding fuel to the fire towards his reelection. Absolutely. John, listen to me. Listen to me. It's already been an established fact in the law in this country under the Eighth Amendment that, an, that, a, that a penalty, a jury, whether it's jury or bench awarded, any penalty against any individual or corporation that exceeds 10 times actual provable damages is unconstitutional. That's your Eighth Amendment guarantee that this doesn't happen. I am unaware of what you just said. That is new information to me. Well, look it up, because I know what I'm talking about. Well, yelling about it is not going to make it more or less true. The the Eighth Amendment is about criminal cases prosecuted. It's about criminal cases prosecuted by the government. When it comes to jury cases and civil suits, you know, the sky's the limit. We've seen it a million times. No, it's so, not, John. No, it's it, not. You are totally wrong about that. Well, I've I can, been totally I wrong cite, about many things. I can the cite point, you the so point many. Being, let me I get my thought out here. So let, let me get my thought out here, and then you can tell me why I'm wrong. Is that it fair? It applies to civil cases. Is that, is that fair that I could have my, my speech, and then you could respond to what I have to say? Oh, Jim put you on hold. Um, here's here's the thought. This case will go down. He'll, he'll still have to pay something, but this happens often in civil cases. In civil cases, juries award outlandish, outlandish damages. And then after it goes through its process, it's usually cut down, and it's a third, it's a fourth it's a fifth of what what it is, but it's still an amazing, an amazing amount of money that's wildly out of step for for a defamation case. Now, this is not about sexual assault; this is about defamation, and it only feeds to the fire of it. He'll 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 knock this down. It'll be a lot less, but he's going to be paying something. From my point of view, the the real story is how these juries, how these legal actions will be perceived mostly as legal harassment. And it will grow, not sympathy, because nobody can be sympathetic to to Trump. He's just not a sympathetic character. But it will feed into a narrative that that the state, the systems are against him, and as a disruptor, that's why he'll need to be elected to fix it. All right, your turn, Jim. Jack, it's not it's not about Trump's personality, believe it or not. It's actually about the law, and it I don't it doesn't matter whether it's criminal or civil. The Eighth Amendment protects you against cruel and unusual punishments, and there have been decisions against oil companies. Where they were reversed because the awards against the oil companies were more than 10 times provable actual damages. John, that is where the law is today. 
You need might to be get... a law, but it's not a constitutional right. We'll just have to have do some research and figure it out. Hey, Jim, thanks for the call. Eighth Amendment. The name is Jack. Jack, sorry, Jack. No reason to yell. No reason to yell. Why do Why do people yell? I don't understand. All right, three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one. Ah. I have a feeling that Trump supporters have hair triggers. Have you ever noticed that? In the same way, in the same way that angry feminists can go zero to 60 in a millisecond, found that Trump supporters can do the same thing a little too often. All right, let's play with this just a little bit more. These legal entanglements which were supposed to tie up Trump during this election season, are having the opposite effect. They will, they will feed the narrative that he is under attack by the system. It's the polling that worries me. The polling is pretty clear. If accurate, I make that concession, if accurate, it says, should Trump be found guilty of a crime, not a civil case, but a crime. If he is convicted of a crime, a lot of people will not vote for him. They will not vote for a guy in jail. They will not vote for a guy who has been found guilty of a crime. The crime is not going to be insurrection. There's no way to prove that. It's, it is a ridiculous thing. It wasn't an insurrection do I disagree with how he treated January 6th? Absolutely. Do I find it reprehensible? Absolutely. The idea that capital is under attack and you sit in, in your in your room and watch it and instead of making a statement telling people to go home is just unforgivable in my mind. That being said, it's not a crime. Taking classified documents with you when you leave the administration that is a crime. And in classic Trump style, he's there proudly showing he's above everything as he takes pictures with his classified documents. It's going to be hard to prove he didn't have them when he publishes pictures of himself with the stolen booty. That I see as the biggest challenge, the biggest problem for Trump. And you're going to see you're going to see this conviction of this or the trial of this moving faster and faster. They'll wait until he becomes the nominee, and then they're going to go after him. That's my prediction. Do you think I got it wrong? Three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one. In for Jimmy. I'm John Caldera. Keep it here. Seven ten KNUS. We got seven minutes to the top. In for Jimmy. I'm John Caldera. Give me a call, 303-696-1971. A huge judgment against Trump. I think it's an unreasonable judgment. I think everybody knows it's an unreasonable judgment. And I think it's going to help Trump. It's as if they don't get it. The more they beat him up, the more popular he's going to get. It's like how he won in 2016. The more the media jumped on him, the more press he got. The one thing the polls say are different is if he's convicted of a crime. Not a civil case, but a crime. And that they won't vote for a convicted felon. 
That's a different thing. So why I think after after he secures the nomination, then comes a conviction. Let's go to the phones. 303-696-1971. Let's talk to Frank. Frank, welcome. You're with John Caldera. Hey, John. How's it going? Well, great. <laughs> yeah, you don't have an $83 million judgment to try to cope with. But, um, well, good, good luck if they, if they do. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> the year is still young. I mean, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> so, so, hey, you know, yeah, I, I do think that you're 100% right. These silly, like, okay, $83 million is ridiculous. It's stupid. No one's defamed to a point that they suffered that amount of damage or whatever. It'll get knocked down because uh, your other caller, even though I don't think he understands anything about the Eighth Amendment or anything like that, these judgments do rely on some level of proof of damage. Right. I mean, defamation's tough. No one takes defamation. That is a, that is a, you know that why? Is a legal principle. It's a legal principle. It's not an Eighth Amendment issue. No, exactly. But, you know, but regardless, what, what I think you're 100 also percent right on the, uh, the the problem that Trump is going to have, and it's coming down the pike, whether he likes it or not, is the criminal charge of holding on to those documents, which is almost self-proving at this point. He doesn't there's no attorney who's going to come up with a unique, crazy defense to, to things like that. I mean, it's like you said, he's pictured with the documents and they gave him every chance to return them. And he didn't. It's just, you know, but but this goes along the lines. It's, it's, of the it's defamation a Trump case. arrogance yes. that that gets him into this trouble. It is it is uh, it's almost he doesn't have any judgment. Right. Yes, it is juvenile. It's entirely juvenile. He he basically is a fifteen year old in a seventy seven year old body. But and here's and here's keep, what keep going. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no no. Yeah, I, what I want people and and I can't I can't understand the defend at all cost Trumpers. I get all the other things. You know, like hey, you know, what's the alternative? Biden, blah blah blah. I get all that. But it, all these people who kind of picture themselves as rugged individualists and take responsibility for their actions and everything else. Don't hold Trump to that same standard. The only person Donald Trump has to blame for an $83 million verdict. And the only person he's going to have to blame for being found criminally responsible for withholding documents is him. And no one else is responsible. I tell you what, I got to run to a break. When I get back, let, let's take that one on. Cause I think, I think you, you put it very succinctly. I'm John Caldera, 303-696-1971. Back after this. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.